Very happy Thursday to you. Tanner Hoops with you for the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. As always, a busy day in the sports news cycle, and we're delighted to be joined by the pride of Local 3, Jake Durant, in with me, per usual on Thursdays. Still snowing out there, Jake? A little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit. Uh, we should expect this in January. Mm-hmm. I felt, or I feel like this winter hasn't been as bad as last year. I could be wrong, but um, expecting a lot more snow prior to you know spring coming, so... You know, just something you got to deal with up here. There has been a lot that's been going around the last 24 hours, and even beyond that, that we're going to touch on over the course of next hour. A future Hall of Famer, love it or not, is calling it a career. We're Are gonna, you sure? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I'm sure. Some people will debate whether he should get in or not, but it is not a question of will he get in or not. But I'm going to tell you, he does deserve to get in, and we're going to get into that here shortly. We also have Zion Williamson, who made his debut last night in the NBA, and in a span of about three minutes, it went from fairly forgettable to pretty darn memorable. We'll break that down, plus suspensions finally come down regarding the Kansas-Kansas State brawl a few days ago, and we've got some love it or leave it as far as NFL hot takes go. We do need to start the show this way, though, and it's on a somber note, because we recently lost somebody who had a tremendous impact on the Marquette uh, County area and our listening area. Yeah, I'm sure everybody's heard this by now. In case you haven't, Gwynn head football coach Dion Brown passed away unexpectedly last night. Uh, we're all in shock here, and all of us at ESPN-UP Local 3, and I'm sure everybody around here and everyone who knew Dion, all of our hearts are with Gwynn today because... He was, Dion was such a special guy. You know, I interviewed him many times on the show. He was on here every week during football. You've talked with him many times. And he was one of those guys that, you know, you always talk about coaches that are good with the media. And Dion was just that. He was a great guy. He was gracious no matter what the outcome was. He was always willing to talk to you. And, you know, he, he was a guy that brought energy and positivity with him. You love coaches like that when you work in the media, and you know beyond that, he was a he was just a guy that cared about people. He cared about his players, and that went well beyond the football field. What he did with the local youth outreach here in Marquette when he was away from the football field, he was a heck of a guy, and we we are still in shock and uh, still mourning his passing last night. Right, definitely shocking news to wake up to this morning. Um, like you mentioned, um, as as media members, sometimes you know you can kind of get vibes like coaches might not necessarily like to speak to you, but are doing so just because it's part of their job. But with Dion, it it, it never felt like that. Um, you know, I was on a text basis with him, and and I could text him and ask him, hey, can you meet up in an hour? Uh, you know, I want to talk a little Gwyn football, etc. And he was always like, yeah, you know, swing through. Uh, when you, when you went to, or when I would go to practices, you know, he, he would ask me, what do you, what do you need? What do you want from me? Do you need some players? I can get you whatever, uh, feel free to hang out, etc. You know, he always made you feel very welcomed. Um, you know, just as, as, as a member of the media, as a reporter, um, which I was gr- very grateful for because, you know, like I, like I said, sometimes you can kind of feel like you, you aren't wanted and he, he definitely opened up his arms. Um, you know, I talked to Dion a handful of times throughout the years since he's been at Gwynn, and um, you know, he's just one of those guys that never really sugarcoated anything. You you might have some coaches, and and no disrespect to coaches out there who who do like coach speak, you know, are very media trained and are just going to say say the right things just to you know 
answer the question. He was never like that. He was he would always speak his mind. Um, he never really sugarcoated anything, um, and I think that's where he gained a lot of respect with obviously the members of the media and even his players. I think um, you know when when a when someone is really you know real and and a hundred percent with what they're saying and and believes it, you know that you know people are attracted to that because in this world, especially in 2020, there's a lot of fake people out there. And, and Dion was the complete opposite of that. Um, it's, it's just a sad day, you know, still just thinking about it right now. It, it, it hurts. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's a big loss. Like you said, he affected not only the community of Gwyn, it was market County. It was even beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone who came in contact with Dion, uh, you know, I, I I talked about this before we coming on air. He he just radiated positive energy. You couldn't talk to Dion and leave there not in a good mood. And um, you know that's what I'm always going to remember. Just just the way he he you know affected your mood. He was just a he was a, a lovable person, and I know a lot of people uh, welcomed him as as basically a family member. And um, yeah, just a, a big loss and and unfortunate because obviously anytime anyone passes away. Uh, it's it's sad, but this was so unexpected. You know, Dion is a guy like me in the sense that he's not native to the UP. He came up here by way of Chicago to play football at Northern, and he fell in love with Northern and with the UP after that, and he decided to stay. And much like myself, uh, he found a place that he fell in love with up here and decided to stay and did his darndest to make an impact, and that he did. He just he loved the area and he loved the people here and that's what you got from a guy like that and you know I won't forget it the last conversation I had with him was right after football season and I you know they went one and eight this year they were in a lot of those games they were competitive but they could only come out with one win and once we were about to hang up after recording the interview he thanked me for having him on every week he said you know the lack of success the lack of wins they had this year that a lot of media outlets stopped calling, stopped wanting to give Gwyn airtime. He said he appreciated the airtime, and you know he made you feel appreciated in the media, and he just made an impact on so many people's lives that uh, you know he, those are special kind of people that, that can do that. And Dion certainly fell into that category. Uh, I, I just I feel for the, for the community of Gwyn because that is one you know big spot to try and replace, not just mm-hmm. in football, but for the guy that he was and. You know, I'm sure all of us would like to be remembered the way that we're all remembering Dion Brown today. Right. And, yeah, like you, you mentioned, he came up here. Obviously, he played, and he was a standout at, uh, on the Northern Michigan football team. But you see so many people come up here, you know, and it's just one step on their journey. They come up here, get what they have to get done, and they get out of here as fast as possible. And, um, you know, the UP is not for everybody, obviously. But, like you said, he came up here. He, you know, built relationships meaningful relationships to a lot of people he put you know he built you know theoretically speaking built a home here put down his roots and and he was very committed he was very dedicated to to the kids he was very dedicated to the community um obviously wanted to shed you know positive light on the Gwyn community um and and you know he he really turned that program around and you know he, he came into a program that didn't make the postseason since 1999. Mm-hmm. He started coaching kids who their whole lives didn't see a winner come from Gwynn High School, didn't make the postseason. And he made them believe that they could be the ones to change things around. And obviously, two years into his tenure, Gwynn did end up making the postseason. Mm-hmm. But it was much more than just telling his players, you got to believe. That's easy. Mm-hmm. It was coming to work every day, putting giving 110% effort to coach these kids, um, preparing these kids for everything, 
um, you know, just making him know it's not going to come easy. He he instilled that in his players. I said this. I said I, I really think he the players that he was able to coach at his time in his short coaching career are better off and are going to be better people because of it. And um, you know, it's it's just crazy. I I always thought like just talking to him, he was definitely a player's coach, but he he. he walked a fine line of being an authoritative figure to the kids mm-hmm. but then he was also able to connect with them on a personal level whether it be becoming a father figure for these kids or you know just a friend that that these kids can talk talk to i i, I truly believe he understood what these kids were going through a lot of the time where they come from and i think he was just being the coach that he always needed when he was growing up and and playing so um yeah man it's just it's sad it's tragic and, um, you know, it, it's it's tough. It's tough to do with. I tell you what, I've got some audio that I want to play for you because earlier today and throughout the day, I've been talking with a lot of Dion's loved ones, his friends, and people that he has gotten to know and coach with because he's established a lot of ties around the UP. I talked with several guys that he has had uh, encounters with and become close throughout the year, people like Jeff Olson, Ben Olson, Scott Sergula, and I put together some sound uh, montage of sorts of them remembering their time with Dion. I'm going to play that for you here in a second. Uh, but Dion, you're right, revitalized a Gwynn program. Really, he brought that football program back from the dead, and like you said, they hadn't been to the playoffs since 99. He took them there twice. You know, It, it was about a 20-year playoff mm-hmm. drought, and he got those guys believing, and you know he was not only a great football coach with what he could accomplish, but he was a great person overall. And you know, these you're going to hear it in a second how much he touched people's lives. You know, you and me are here talking about him, and we were you know thankful to know him. Uh, you know, we talked with him a few weeks uh, throughout the last couple of years or so. These guys worked with him on a daily basis, got close with him, got to know him, and you know, I was asking Ben Olson, for example, I asked him. I totally get it. This is too hard, but would you like to do this? You know, I get it. If if you know you don't know if you can handle it, because uh, you know they were close, and Ben said, "No, that that's my guy." I mean, I need to do this. He was my best friend. So, with that, I'm going to play this audio for you of Coach Serge, Coach Jeff Olson, and Coach Ben Olson as they remember Dion their own way. Dion, um, he gave me a call. I can't remember what year, 2000. 10, 2009, you know, asking if we had a coaching opening, and um, I didn't know him at all, so, but when, I, you know, anybody that, uh, you know, has passion, and it's all like he has passion, I'll make room for, so, you know, we hired him, I know he coached both my sons, um, Daniel, obviously, and then, then Isaac, he was, he was with him a little bit, but, um, He's uh he's what you want in a coach. He's he's a good he's a good person first. He cares about kids, um, and and that's a big thing. And you know he's very personable. He got along with with everybody great, and he was very knowledgeable. So uh, you know the world just lost a, a, not only a great coach but a great person. Shocked to hear the news uh, last night. They got a late last night, and um, been thinking about it all day. And you know he was younger than I was. Uh, I just talked to him the day before, and you we were talking about, you know, summer camps, and, you know, just a little bit of football and things like that. Um, you know, Dion is always very positive at things. He's excited about his team coming back, and he's telling me about the kids that, you know, we're lifting and we're getting them dedicated. And, um, you know, I, I thought he was a perfect fit. 
uh, for the Gwynn community and that Gwynn football program, and I feel for them and I feel for the staff and the kids. And you know, I coached with Dion. Uh, our common bond was Jeff Olson. I talked to Jeff briefly this morning. I know he's hurt too. And you know, all the coaches and kids that Dion coached at Ishpeming while we both coached together there. And uh, you know, he came down and um, helped our defensive backs out. And, you know, when he got the Gwyn job, I'm happy for him. And, you know, and when I got the Westwood job, he was happy for me. And, you know, we, we stayed in touch, you know. And, uh, he was part of our, I guess you'd call it like a coaching community. And a lot of text messages from players, and other coaches around the area. I'm pretty shocked by it. And I'm just saddened. I really am. It, uh, to, you know, he was encouraging with the kids. Um, he believed in them sometimes more than they believe in themselves and uh, you know you just have a great smile you walk up and uh, say hey Serge and, you know you'd have a great smile you'd shake hands start talking football like we where we left off whether it was a week or a month ago that I talked to him and um, you know uh, that, that's what made in my opinion the guy great he uh he lit up a room, in my opinion. He just did. And uh, he was a natural leader. People were attracted to him. Um, you know, and uh, he's, he's going to be sorely, sorely missed. Uh, me and Dion, you know, to go way back, we met each other at Northern Michigan uh, University. We kind of got off to a rocky start. Um, but then he took the job out here in Gwynn, and uh, yeah, he slowly became my best friend somebody i'd go to um he immediately asked me to join the football staff and uh without hesitation i joined him because he kind of sat down and he, you know he drew out what he wanted to do with this community and with these kids and, and turn us into you know a winning program and and he did a phenomenal fantastic job and um he's one of those guys me that he'd be the first person if i ever needed something that I would go to without any sort of hesitation, whether it related to sports, football, life, parenting, it didn't matter. Um, Dion was that guy that would give the, the shirt off his back for you, and um, I'm fortunate to have known him for the short time that I did. Brought joy to joy to practice games. He always had a smile on his face, you know, and that's that's contagious. And like I said, he cared about kids, so he was always talking to kids joking around, you know, same thing in staff meetings, talking to the staff, uh, you know, uh, his personality is, uh, you know, what I always felt what stood out. And he was a great football coach. So, uh, you know, he, he uh, you know, he, he brought, he, he brought a lot to this world and, uh, you know, it's very sad for, for, for what happened. Man, his infectious smile, his laugh. He, he always had that smile on your face. He always brightened the room. Um, it didn't matter if, if we got beat, which oftentimes we did. You know, he always came over and he approached the guys with a positive attitude and then that smile on his face, that was just infectious. Um, and, and that's probably what I'm going to remember most from him. And the more I got to know him, the more that we coached together, the more we started hanging out outside of football. And, um, you know, he'd be over at my house, I'd be over at his house. You know, the funny story is that, you know, he's got a two-and-a-half-year-old, I got a two-and-a-half-year-old, and we ended up in the hospital at the same time together he was his, him and his girlfriend were two two doors down from me and my wife and we almost had kids at the identical same time so we even got to share that that kind of a moment together with each other and it's just those moments those smiles those his down-to-earth personality he was infectious he 
loved life, he loved being around kids, and he loved making a difference. Dion Brown again did pass away last night unexpectedly at the age of 37. A few other things to update you on to let you know about. Gwen was scheduled to play Ishpeming in boys basketball tonight. Dion has a nephew that's still part of the Gwen team, still in that program. Those games have been postponed. Makeup date is to be determined. Gwen Ishpeming boys basketball tonight postponed with makeup dates to be determined. By the way, Honors Credit Union has set up a fund to uh, accept donations for Dion's family. That page has been shared to the ESPN-UP Facebook. If you're able, if uh, if you'd be willing, we encourage you to help support the Brown family and uh, all of Dion's loved ones. And I just, I can't imagine what they're going through right now. And, you know, if you're into praying, whatever you're into, you know, they, they need stuff. And, uh, you know, be uh, be sending prayers, good vibes, whatever you're into to them. Yeah, and you know that that sound right there encapsulated just what Dion has meant because those are some of the the coaches that we hold to the highest of standards. You know, those are big name coaches at the high school level here in the UP, and and you know, just the short time that they've had with them. You know how how he's kind of you know changed them or or kind of you know left them with a good a good memory and it's everybody everyone's had their own you know who's who's talked to him um has their own personal story that they've they can share about him and and i i would be shocked if any of those stories are negative i mean he's just always had that you know excitement for life you know joking type of guy that you just wanted to be buds with you know he just was that guy so um it's just so tragic so young and so unexpected um you know it's it's going to take take a while before uh, you know, this this pain goes away for a lot of these people. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We are coming up on our first break, so let's take it now when we come back. Today, the NFL is something it hasn't been since 1997, and that's Manningless, next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad that you're along as always. Well, today, the NFL is something it hasn't been since 1997. That is Manningless. The last Manning domino has fallen, both of them now, as they're both out of the league with a combined four Super Bowls between them, a whole lot of greatness, and pretty soon it's going to be two Hall of Fame nods for the Manning brothers. Eli Manning, as we were signing up the show yesterday, actually announced his retirement. Actually, he didn't announce it. He announced that he's going to announce his retirement coming up tomorrow at a press conference, but... It is over for Eli Manning after his 16-year NFL career included two Super Bowls, four Pro Bowls, a couple Super Bowl MVPs, and a whole lot of records. He is calling it a career, and I tell you what, he has been my favorite NFL player since I was young. He's been a lot of fun to watch. He's uh, he's uh, given you know me a lot of great memories and a lot of people a lot of great memories. And I think the common memory for a lot of us is that he denied Tom Brady two Super Bowl rings. And uh, I know for some people that means a lot more than others, but. I tell you what, it was a great career, and I think he made the right decision the way that he was sent off in New York, that final game, a win in the Meadowlands. I don't think you could have scripted it any better, and it's just kind of like you don't like to see him hang it up, but it's the same thing with Joe Maurer when he retired from the Twins last year. He goes out there and catches the last inning. You know, He puts on the gear for the first time in six years, and you're like, you don't want him to stop, but you can't script the ending any better than that. That's how I feel right now. Yeah, and I, I have to agree with you. I thought um, it was a good decision by him to, you know, ultimately announce his retirement this off season. Um, like you said, he went off in a great way about as 
good of a way as you could have asked for for the situation that he was in. Obviously, any player would love to go out with a Super Bowl or a championship, but that doesn't happen very often. So this was, you know, about as good as it, it could get for Eli right now. And I'm, I'm glad he didn't try to go on to another team mm-hmm. and, and fight for a job for another year and, and you know, just try to extend his career a little bit longer because, honestly, I think the NFL kind of – outgrew Eli a little bit you know you're looking at Mm -hmm. quarterbacks that are a little bit more athletic a little bit more you know can get out in the pocket can do things with their legs um, can make really ridiculous plays basically we're looking at a league that's looking to find a bunch of Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. Um, he was kind of the first to transcend that position now you're you're getting guys like Pat Mahomes coming in and and um, Lamar Jackson just freak athletes that can do it all not only play the quarterback position but they're basically running uh, players as well Um, and then you see guys coming in Joe Burrow's another guy sneaky fast now he can mm-hmm. run. He can he can put his you he know he's accurate. He can scoop. And if if you can't, NFL teams are are not going to be as open to maybe taking you in a higher round or or giving you that chance to be that franchise guy. So like you said, man, it was a great ending to a career. Obviously, it probably wasn't it wasn't as smooth as maybe he'd like or the organization mm-hmm. would have liked. But for what it was, obviously trying to get a high draft pick and bringing it in, we saw. You know, Green. I always go back to Green Bay because this is what I knew. This is what I grew up with. You know, we saw kind of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre bump heads, and it wasn't smooth. And and um, it was, you know, Brett Favre like I'm I'm retiring. No, I'm not retiring. And then it's like, well, we we kind of have to. It was just really, it was really awkward. And um, this this got a little awkward for a little bit because Eli's was always like, I'm not I'm not backing. You know, if he he wasn't wa- wanting to back back up anybody. You know, that's just what his stance was. Maybe if he was willing to back a team, a player up or be a backup on a team, maybe he does last a couple more years. But he was wanting to play starting quarterback, and if he wasn't going to be able to do it, I don't think uh, he didn't really want to play. And he, I don't blame him, obviously. Right. Um, and, he, you know, he probably did his research. What are the chances that I can find a starting job? You know, is it a possibility? And ultimately he decided not to. Um you know, a lot of arguments being made. Is he a Hall of Famer? Personally, I think he's a Hall of Famer. He should just be a Hall of Famer just just on that throw alone to beat the the Patriots, who were like undefeated mm-hmm. and they were kind of the villain, and no one wanted to see it happen. And and he kind of played hero, and it, and it was a big play in the game. If people remember that, I think it was like a third and five. They were in their own territory. Um, if he didn't complete it, chances are that game wouldn't have went that way. Mm-hmm. And and he was down, man. He was a, music, a magician on that play because he somehow scooted back and then just whipped one up. And obviously the catch was great too but um you, you got to give the guy props not a lot of quarterbacks win multiple super bowls we see it now aaron's trying you know people are pushing him he's really pushing to try to get one more drew Brees is is playing as long as he can to try to get one more and and they're escaping these type of guys mm-hmm. these these quote-unquote who we believe are going to be hall of fame quarterback who mm-hmm. should be hall of fame quarterback so for me i think it's a no-brainer is he a first ballot hall of famer probably, probably not. not probably not but I think he will be in the Hall of Fame. I think the the standard and and uh, you know resume you need to have is is isn't as tough as it was back in the day. I think you see a lot more players letting uh, getting let into the Hall. But um, I mean, he's had a career, man. He's had a career. I, I didn't really like Eli right out the gate because he forced his way off mm-hmm. of the Chargers team, and he kind of just seemed like a guy that you know. And that was, was a punk him. move, but he it was it was yeah. I mean, up. I mean, it wasn't just him. He was a kid, yeah. you know. He had people guiding him, and ultimately, I think it worked out for for both players, him and Philip Rivers, who who was ultimately traded um, in that in that draft. Um, so overall, you got a, a guy who has two Super Bowl rings. 
and a guy who's played at a really high level and, you know, has that bloodline and, you know, came into the league under with a shadow of Peyton. I don't think people really think mm. about that as well. His his brother was Peyton Manning. Yep. And his brother was in the prime and he came in and and that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to live up to. And I think he handled it well in New York City where a lot of pressure is put on you anyways. Mm-hmm. So he was able to handle that and, and pave his own way and you gotta respect that. Tell you what, Peyton's gone, Eli's gone, within maybe three years for sure five Brady will be gone. Rivers will be gone. Roethlisberger will be gone. Rodgers will be gone. Feel old yet? Yeah, man. I do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, trust me. I've been feeling like this for a minute. Um, I think it actually, you know, the whole age and feeling old thing kind of happened. I think it happened for me more in the NBA when I kind of realized mm. when you see guys like Kobe, Shaq gone, T-Mac gone, Vince Carter obviously playing, you know, I don't know when this guy's going to stop. He's played for, forever. You mm-hmm. know, guys like that. You know, my favorite player growing up is Vince Carter, and, mm. and he's He's ancient now, yep. you know what I mean? And um, just guys like that. Brandon Jennings was a guy that I was just a huge fan of. Um, obviously, those Pistons uh, teams in the mid-2000s coming and going and, and, and things like that. And, and LeBron entering the late, latter stages of mm-hmm. his career. Chris Paul's about to be done. How about when know? Kobe left the league? Kobe, that, oh, that, boy, was probably, that, that, really that, that might have been one of the bigger moments, mm-hmm. you know, when Kobe left or that Spurs dynasty coming to an Tim end. Duncan. You're just kind of just like, wow, like time is really moving mm-hmm. and it's not stopping and, and things like that. So, um, But I do know that there's a younger Manning Coming up the ranks at the high school level right now, I'm not. Sh- I don't have a lot of background info, but I'm pretty sure what I'm hearing is he's a stud as well, and he's a Manning. He has that Manning blood, but he he can scoot. Like you said earlier, this guy he he could play in the new MB- or new NFL. So we might be seeing a Manning come through the NFL again. I'll tell soon. you what, we haven't had a day where the NFL hasn't had a Manning at quarterback since 1997. Weren't we having an impeachment trial then too? Like they know how to time these things. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. How it happens, but. You always got to look at at the positives and the future. There's a lot of quarterbacks coming in that are going to, you know, be stars of this league for a very long time. I think the NFL in itself uh, is at a really good spot. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of Pat Mahomes, Jimmy G, still fairly young. Those two play, uh, quarterbacks playing in the Super Bowl. Like you said, Lamar Jackson probably going to win the MVP. Um, Russell Wilson. I don't know where you place Russell Wilson in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of guys that are going to come up and step up. I think Joe Burrow is going to be a beast. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, I think he's going to come in the NFL and be a you know a face of a franchise. So um, it is definitely sad to see players go, but Father Time will catch anybody. And um, yeah, it, it just happens. And and I think the NFL is going to be fine. It's it is just going to be weird knowing that you know we're not going to have a Manning in the NFL. I still would like to get to Zion Williamson at some point, but we're coming up on another break, and I still want to talk about Eli Manning and debate his legacy more, but. I tell you what, we do have to take that next break. We're going to talk more about this, though, when we come back on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along this Thursday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. The New York Mets are hiring Luis Rojas as their next manager. Rojas and his father, Felipe Alou, become the fifth father-son duo to manage in the majors. They join George and Dick Sizzler, Bob and Joel Skinner, David and Buddy Bell, and Bob and Aaron Boone. How about that? Father-son duo. Mm-hmm. The NFL. Two teams have filled their vacant offensive coordinator position. Last night, the Jaguars hired Jay Gruden. And this morning, the Vikings promote 
Gary Kubiak. So Jay Gruden's got a new job. Gary Kubiak is taking over for Kevin Stefanski. Vikings upgraded at their OC. Yeah, I mean, those are definitely names that everyone who follows the NFL knows. Uh, uh, happy for Jay Gruden. I think, you know, I talk about uh, coaches. Like, sometimes coaches are just better off as a coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I honestly think Jay Gruden is one of those guys mm-hmm. that if he can just focus on the, you know, a coordinator position and not have to oversee anything, I think he, he can really be a better coach. And I, I kind of think of that with Jason Garrett as well. I think we'll see him really help the Giants next season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these are names that we all know, and, and obviously um, I would say they deserve a second chance. I mean, we got to yeah. they, they Those are guys that are coming from tough positions, so good to hear that they were able to get back on their feet. Some guys are just great on one side of the ball, but they can't lead the team. You think of Pat Shermer, Wade Phillips, Romeo Cornell, guys like that. And finally, C.S. Lewis's full name is Clive Staples Lewis. Staples. Staples. Staples scene. That's his middle name. <laughs> wow. Clive Staples Lewis. That is your Sports Center update. Glad that you're along as always. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Still talking about the legacy of Eli Manning. I do want to get to Zion Williamson. We'll get to that here in a minute. We'll have some NFL takes. Plus, this is real life. There's a mascot that is being uh, investigated by authorities. A mascot. I had to double take, make sure that was not a parody thing. But tell you what, Eli Manning. Retires, how about this for stand of the day? Retires as the highest earner in NFL history, $252 million. Second most, Peyton, $249 million. So there's a couple million difference. You think that's going to be talked about at, at a family dinner or something? Wow. I mean, I didn't know that. And Those two are the highest earners hey, in NFL history? Those are not the two I would have guessed. No, don't hate the player, hate the game. Congrats yeah. to them. I mean, obviously very smart people, mm-hmm. very business savvy, and they, they definitely got – everything they could and probably then some in their career so um leaving the game probably with some pretty deep pockets i'm I'm actually pretty jealous i tell you what eli manning is going to go down top 10 in most statistical categories not all of them are good though and i get it that's why people are going to say he's not a hall of famer but for every category like interceptions or something that he's up there in there's like five categories with something like completion percentage or passer rating or touchdown passes where he is a top 10 guy. And the two Super Bowl rings should be enough. Uh, he's going to get in. I mean, he really is. Like it or not, he's going to get in. But there are some people who just don't believe that he is a legit Hall of Famer because he did have some bad seasons. He absolutely had some bad seasons. Maybe about, even if you could go as far to say, his 16 years in the league he had seven maybe bad seasons even something like that you could probably make the case for that yet there was enough good during that time and people forget there was a time during his prime and you know the recency bias is going to fade during his prime there are very few quarterbacks you would rather have the ball in their hands during the fourth quarter i mean he was the master of the fourth quarter comeback for a long time during his career right i mean he was cold-blooded i mean he, he, he could be driving you know seconds on the clock and the biggest game the super bowl and every, you know all the pressures on him, and he he won't look any different than if he was you know chilling at his house on a on a Saturday afternoon. I mean, the guy showed no emotion, definitely a, just a cold blooded. I don't think he felt a lot of pressure. It was almost like you know I, I envy those athletes and those players that can be in such big moments and just not have it phase them mm-hmm. one bit. They can say stay so locked in, and the, and the best of the best know how to do that. Yep. They they take a nervous energy or pressure, and they're able to bottle it up and, and turn it into some like a focus. And um, for me, when I get in big moments, and I've been in some, some decent, not to that extent, 
that uh, extent, but mm-hmm. I just kind of lose it, man. I just, you know, mentally, I, I, I just feel like I, I might crumble. So I respect people like that. And um, just playing devil's advocate, obviously, you, you mentioned, yeah, there's people that will argue he's not a Hall of Famer because even in the Super Bowls, he had a really good defense in pretty, both of them, definitely that first one. And that second one, he didn't really play that great. I mean, he played all right, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was the the main person. He made the play, obviously, mm-hmm. but overall it wasn't, you know, crazy. But a lot of factors go into it. You talk about, you know, him having some bad seasons. It, it wasn't just him. That that whole organization's been up and down right. and, and things like that. So you can't really just pin that just on him. He's doing what he can. It seems like they've never really had a great offensive line for mm-hmm. some reason. They can definitely draft and build a defensive line, yeah. but it seems like their offensive line has some, been kind of sketchy. So, you know, he didn't have the protection every single, you know, every year and things like that. So, you could take it either way. All I know is, man, the guy won two Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. He was he was a played at a very high level a lot of his career. So, I feel like he deserves. It. And like I said, the the resume to get in, you don't have to have the. You know, back in the day, it was like, all right, you definitely were just like transcendent. Mm. You know what I mean? At whatever position you played. Now it's kind of like they're letting a lot of guys in. You know, it's a little bit easier. Like the bouncer is a little bit more lenient to letting you in in the club. You know what I mean? I'm going to make some people mad here just because I feel like it. Why not? If we're going to anoint Tom Brady as the GOAT because he's got six Super Bowl rings and he does it by throwing little five-yard checkdowns, dinking and dunking, and has the greatest coach of all time – his throws aren't that impressive. I mean, let's be honest. They never really have been. And if we're going to anoint him the GOAT simply because of rings, then why wouldn't we do the same thing for Eli Manning as a Hall of Famer? Right. Right. I mean, and especially in football, I mean, this is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Very rarely you're not going to see a quarterback win the game. And, and, and I mean, it, it's happened, but it's not like you're going to see a quarterback every single week put – I guess Aaron Rodgers was responsible for doing that a lot, but – but he is maybe the greatest right. quarterback ever. Exactly, but very like, few very, it's, it's very rarely are you going to see a quarterback go out there and put the team on his shoulders and be the main reason why they're winning these games, mm-hmm. and especially in playoff games when the level turns up a notch. It's a team effort. You need to have the receivers who are getting open and making the catches. You need to have a defense putting you in position and getting you the ball back and stopping the opposition. Like it's not, it's not just a quarterback thing, you know. And that's what I don't get. And and it's it's I mean it's really hard to judge like who deserves to be yeah, in because there's that, a lot of players that potentially deserve to be in. And that's why win loss is not a quarterback stat for all the reasons that you just mentioned. Eli, they're going to say was one seventeen and one seventeen as a regular season starter. That's not a quarterback stat. I mean, he did not go one seventeen and one seventeen. Teams that he was on in games he started went one seventeen and one seventeen. Wins losses are not a quarterback stat because you have twenty one other guys on the field, and a quarterback could put up fifty one like Mahomes did last year in the uh, Monday Night Football game against the Rams, and still lose. They can do their job, but others can't. So why is that loss hung on just one person? Right. That that's what I don't get, but. Tell you what, this it's such a polarizing debate that turns so many people against Eli when really he's always done things the right way. He's given us the Manning faces. He beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. He's got his own beer named after him. Big week for him, by the way. Eli tribute. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's. He, he'll get in. He'll get in. And he'll get in. I tell you what, happy retirement, Eli.
That hey, is just, I yeah. will say this: we might there might be some more video surfacing of Eli at the flip cup table. That's oh, all please! I'm, that's all I'm saying. Please, that's what I'm hoping. He for. deserves it. Man. That's he what I want. <laughs> I tell you what: there's been a lot happening in the NFL, like some kind of minor stories, I guess. Like no one's talking about how the Raiders officially announced that they're moving to Las Vegas. Like they they made it official, what we already all knew. But they did announce it. Larry Fitzgerald bought a minority stake in the Phoenix Sun, so now there's two NFL players that partially own another sports team. Aaron Rodgers with the Bucks being the other. Antonio Brown's not a minor story, but the warrant is officially out for his arrest as he mm. continues to melt down in front of our eyes. Apparently, him and his trainer assaulted a moving truck driver, and that was what was going on when the police were outside his house a couple of days ago. And I... I just this guy just continues to dig the hole deeper for himself, yeah. and it, it just goes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just talking about Antonio Brown. Obviously, the NFL does a good job always having something to talk about when it uh, pertains to the league. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously knew the layout. The Raiders were moving to Las Vegas. It would have been way bigger news if, for some reason, they said we're not going to <laughs> Las Vegas. I don't know what, what what's happening, but um, with Antonio Brown, man, and you know, for for those who watch YouTube, he does have a YouTube channel and he's very active on social media. And I watch some of his videos. Um, because it's, it's fat. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's fascinating what's happening. It is. It's, it's very sad and, and I wish he would get help, but, um, but I was watching the videos and, and I know the trainer they're talking about. The guy didn't seem too legit Mm -hmm. in these videos. Like he just seemed like, like there was video of them working. I'm just like, I don't know if this guy's like even legit. Like who is this guy? Is this guy even like a a trained Mm -hmm. certified trainer? Like, I don't even know, but um, it goes goes back to him having yes men around him, mm. people who are in his life for the wrong reasons and and really supporting all this negative behavior. And it's just really sad to see. And we're we're literally literally watching a guy just fall apart before our eyes. And and it's sad, like I said, but it's it's hard to take your eyes away from it. To Does a point. it? Did you see the movie The Joker that just came out with I Joaquin have not Phoenix? Seen that, no. For those of you who have, does it not remind you of Joaquin Phoenix transformation? I mean, does it not? Are we not seeing parallels with that? Or even with the Aaron Hernandez documentary just came out on Netflix, Antonio Brown is kind of going down that same path, and it's not going to stop until, honestly, he's he's going to kill himself if he keeps gonna, going this way. I mean, that's their prison, man. Yes, or he hurts somebody else, and I wouldn't be shocked if it turns into an Aaron Hernandez thing where... I, I, he could kill somebody. Well, look at the progression of what it was. A lot of the the issues were stemming just on football and and his career and things like that. But as these incidents keep popping up, which seems like every other day, it's turning into violence. Mm-hmm. It's slowly getting progress, you know, progressively more violent in in the situations. Now you're talking about beating up people and things like that. Yep. And um, as of when this first started, it was just. I'm a better player than you, mm-hmm. but now it's just it's getting worse and worse and worse, and and he's not going to stop till he hits rock bottom. But what is rock bottom for Antonio Brown? That's that's what you know we're going to have to see. And yeah, like I said, it's either him going to be in jail, which he just got in trouble, got a felony warrant, so mm-hmm. yeah, he's going to go to jail. Um, but it's going to be him in jail longer for something more serious, or like you said, death, his death, or. Someone he knows or is around that potentially could be in the path of destruction. And 
it's it's sad to see, man. I, I was a huge Antonio Brown fan when he first came in the league just because of his story, how he came from nothing. He he played at Central, which was really cool to mm-hmm. me. I was I was really like proud of the fact that he went to Central Michigan. I have no ties to Central Michigan. Yeah. I live in Michigan, but it's a smaller Michigan school. I was like, This is cool. Like he's one of the best players in the NFL coming from that. That's awesome. I you know, I'm a fan. My buddy knew him personally who went to Central when Antonio was Brown was there, and I, I, I would assume is still a fan. I, I, I wonder what he would say now. I haven't mm-hmm. talked to him in a while. But, man, it's 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 nuts to see, man, and I just hope I, – I don't know if he will wake up. No. I just think his mind is so clouded, so fogged, and, and his, his perspective is so skewed that everyone's out to get him. I don't know if it's something that's fit. It might, you know, people say mental illness, and it very well could be that. Mm-hmm. It, he really thinks everyone's out to get him. He's paranoid. He's, you know, thinking people wants his money and, and wants to take him down and take his fame, and it's it's sad. When Drew Rosenhaus is cutting ties with you for moral reasons, for ethical reasons, that's how you know you've hit rock bottom as a human being. Because we know he's not the most moral no. person himself, <laughs> and if you're to a level where he's like, I got to step away. <laughs> That's just another check mark of why he's going down the wrong path. It's it's bad. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our last time out. When we come back, Antonio Brown's future cellmate might very well be a mascot. Plus, we'll break down Zion Williamson's NBA debut next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with the Sports Pen podcast. Get it from our free mobile app, which you can get from the Apple iStore, Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and check out the on demand there. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. I'm glad that you're along as always. Tell you what, Jake, a mascot is under police investigation, and I had to double check this. I just saw that, and I'm just like, oh, look, someone's like, you know, doing a promotional thing. This team must be doing something promotional, you know, because they do that with this particular mascot. And then I click on it, and it's real, and I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, what is happening here? Gritty, as people know, the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, he looks kind of like an orange Muppet on drugs. I mean, he is a weird-looking guy, but he's become an Internet sensation because of that. You know, he's kind of this weird guy, but he does fun stuff, you know, and there's videos of him visiting sick kids in a hospital or, you know, doing all these promotional things. And, you know, they know he's weird. They know he looks like a weird guy, and they promote that. That's his thing, and it's made people kind of fall in love with him. Mm -hmm. Gritty is under legit police investigation. It didn't even say – the articles that I've read, I've not found one article that says – uh, the actual guy in yeah. the costume never. Don't, I don't even know his name. I don't know if they know his name. That, it just keeps saying Gritty is under investigation because two months ago there was a father who says that he brought his 13-year-old son to a Flyers game and they saw Gritty and they asked if Gritty would take a picture with the kid. And allegedly Gritty punched the kid in the back, according to the dad, and now Gritty is under investigation and could be facing assault and battery charges. Yeah, and um, I was thinking the same thing. Like, all right, there. This is a headline for clicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's where we are in this year of 2020. And I was under the same thing. I'm like, have we found out who this guy actually was? <laughs> who was under the actual costume? Because not seen his name. That's who we. Sh- yeah, that's who we should be. Yeah, I get it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not funny that he punched a kid, but the the headline is like. Wait, wait, he's under a police mm-hmm. investigation, especially when you're talking about a mascot who's a little bit edgier, like you said, mm-hmm. he's a little weird and and has has built kind of a cult following because of it. Um, I'm just kind of wondering, like, 
and I'm not saying like this father has is is not telling the truth or something, but how hard like obviously you shouldn't be punching a kid or anything mm-hmm. like that. And but I'm picturing him like cocking back and like punching the kid. You know what I mean? Or was he just like playfully like nudging the kid? I don't really know. And then now they're trying to seek seek something from. And why him. did he wait two months to say anything? And that's what makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. Like why did you wait so long? So to me, when when stuff like that happens, it's like okay, maybe this this dad is just searching for money purposes or something mm-hmm. and is like, oh, maybe this is a way. Maybe it just clicked one day. Maybe I can make this into something and, and you know, figure it out. Because it, it's hard for me to believe that a mascot would just punch a kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> – even if it's like part of his – like you're not just going to punch a kid mm-hmm. where you're maliciously punching a kid. Maybe he probably shouldn't have been punching the kid even if it was a playful tap or anything, but – um, it's just a weird story, and, and I want to know who this guy actually is. Like, who is the guy? All you got to do is go ask the guy mm-hmm. who is doing it. And um, for the fact that they just keep bringing it on as gritty, the mascot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Don't get me wrong; it's funny. The situation is not funny, but at some point, this this whole play on the whole mascot is under investigation. It has to go away, and we got to put a face to this person to make it more, you know, real. If you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying, I 100 percent thought it was a publicity stunt. It That's, was PR yeah. when I saw this, and then. I dig deeper, and it's real, and I have not seen a picture of the guy who wears the costume. I've not seen his name anywhere. It's never so-and-so who plays Gritty is under investigation. It's Gritty is under investigation, which means if he is charged, I want to see pictures of him in court in costume. I want to see him in a cell in costume, him in handcuffs going to the squad car. All in the gritty right. costume. Yeah, and it's me. It's like, okay, if you're the organization, you I know you know who's wearing that mm-hmm. costume on that night. I know you know who it is. Why wouldn't this be something you want to tell people? You know what I mean? Um, instead of making it be like a internet sensation, like, you know, viral thing. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, I mean, I was with you. I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is, oh, this is funny. This is definitely going to get a lot of clicks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, apparently it's not. So... You know what? It, it is because they, they the way they presented it. Mm-hmm. The person who broke that story knew exactly what they were doing. But then everybody takes that trend too, right? Well, it's a copycat. It's mm-hmm. a copycat type of society out here mm-hmm. these days, and you can never know what's real on the internet. I read everything with with kind of that thought in my mind, like this could very well not be true until I confirm it. Or I, I don't know, know everything coming. on the internet's true. Well. I, Wait, it, yeah. Are you sure? Absolutely. That's why I get all my stuff from Wikipedia. Before I come on this show, I get all my facts from Wikipedia because anyone can change it. You know you're getting all kinds of perspective on there. Right. That's my philosophy. Right. I mean that, I was sarcastic about <laughs> I, I know. That's actually a good pretty good idea. What if <laughs> what if you ran a podcast where all your info just comes from Wikipedia? Oh, and, that'd be perfect. And you, you start off a show like this could be real, eh. but it very well might not be. So um Yeah, I mean it's just a weird thing. I, I, I know I said it's funny, but it's really not funny, let's be honest, and I hope it gets resolved. Tell you what, let's move on to Zion here really quick, and then I'll get into a few NFL takes with Jake. Zion last night had five points going into the fourth quarter, and then he went off for 17, and he got the Pelicans back within one at one point, but the Spurs ultimately win by four. Zion finishes with 22 points in his NBA debut last night. He went four for four from behind the three-point line. He never had a game at Duke where he made more than three threes in one game. He went four for four back there last night. He looked overall pretty good coming off injury. It was 13 weeks since his diagnosis, since we saw him in the NBA preseason last summer. There were a few times, though, where he just looked like maybe he came down a little weird, a little 
bit wrong. And I don't know if he's fully healthy yet, but he he balled out. I mean, he had a great performance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I watched a lot of that game. I was as interested as anybody to see what he was going to bring to the table after missing so much time. I'm definitely a Team Zion fan. Yeah, I, you know, I've I've been since I first witnessed his high school mixtape on Twitter. You know what I mean? You, you just you're drawn to the guy because of his unique skill set. The fact that he's basically you know an NFL player that could jump forty plus inches vertically. I mean, it's insane what this guy is. Um, you got to really put his night in perspective and his situation in perspective. You know, he's coming off of obviously a very serious injury that the medical people are very cautious about because they're investing a lot in, in Zion, obviously where he was drafted and things like that. And um, I understand why they wanted to kind of be careful with him. But I mean, for what, what his night was, I mean, he was coming off the bench in four to five minute spurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a game that's all about finding a rhythm. And um, anyone who's out there who's played basketball knows um, basketball is a game of rhythm, and you got to kind of feel out the game and, and be involved in order to get a, a good feel and, and make an impact in the game. And, and it just seems like any time he was about to just break a sweat, he was coming off the court. Um, through three quarters, it looked like you know people were already trying to label him a bust. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he was getting frustrated and... You know, you see John Morant out there balling this whole year and, and becoming, you know, uh, the face of the Grizzlies. And, and I know Zion keeps track of who, he, you know, his peers are. And the fact that he was able to obviously have an underwhelming three quarters and still go out in that fourth quarter and do what he did with, with all the pressure on him, with the anxious crowd watching him, looking for him to do something, with the national media watching. I mean, it was it was absolutely incredible. And like you said... He did it in a way not many people were expecting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know he can go in and grab rebounds and jump with the best of them, you know, rebound over seven footers and and um, you know get to the to the rim and things. But the fact that you know the Spurs were just letting him shoot, it was incredible. I mean, the guy doesn't have the shots. Nice. I mean, the mm-hmm. rotation coming off of his hands, perfect. And that's why you see him get, when it's over the rim, it, it's going to rattle in. It'll fall. The dude doesn't really jump on his jump shot. No. He literally like hops off the court. For someone who can jump as high as he can, it's really just this like left weird lefty like shot. It's definitely better than Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it could do some work, but I was just shocked. I mean, this guy's dealt with pressure his whole career ever since he, you know, became Zion probably prior to even before high school when he was first getting attention, and he just knows how to deflect that pressure and perform and. Um, I'm like I said, I'm Team Zion. I I hope he stays healthy. I know he has things uh, wrong with you know his health, where it's he's been walking his whole life wrong. He's kind of pigeon toed, and and they're trying to figure out something about that, which could affect his career long term. But I'm rooting for him, and it was a great performance. Mm-hmm. It was it was a Wednesday night game, you know, mid season, but there was like some really nice excitement, and it made me want to tune in. And and really, his fourth quarter performance kind of diminish what people were saying in those first three quarters because what do you wake up zion mm-hmm. dominant air zion you know it was, it was it was fun to watch i tell you what we could spend a whole segment on that and you know a lot more time than we could i tell you what though jake uh yeah i did promise some super bar some football takes anyway and i want to give a few of these to you because a couple of writers from the score online jack brown and mike uh, Lissandrini, I think. I don't know. Something like that. They came out with an article called One Move Every Team in the NFL Can Make to Get to the Super Bowl Next Year. And I want to throw a few of these at you. You can tell me, do you agree with this or not? The Lions. 
Lions, if they want to get to the Super Bowl next year, the most important thing they can do is sign Yannick. Oh boy, Ngakwe. Ngakwe. I don't. Ngakwe. Thank you. Ngakwe is how you say that. Thank you. That's the biggest thing that the Lions need to do to get to the Super Bowl so next saying, year. So if they're saying, so they're saying, if they do that one move, no, 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 no. They're saying the most important move to try to get to, to the try Super Bowl to, next to try year. to get on the path to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Um, I agree. They have a lot of holes to fill. Yeah. Obviously, I think that third pick is going to obviously be huge as well. But they do need pass rush. Rush, obviously, that was a little lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be on the right direction. Obviously, it would fill a hole that they need. So I, I would agree that that would be a big move for them. How about the Packers? It says. Find another playmaker on offense. Adams needs help. Lazard and Allison are fine, but they hardly strike fear in anybody. You see, I I, I think they they need to make a move on defense. I mm-hmm. think that would be the number one priority. They need an inside linebacker that strikes fear into opposing offenses, that brings a physicality factor, that can cover in the middle of the field and can get side to side really fast laterally. I think that's the number one issue. I think right behind that, the second biggest thing is finding another weapon. In the interest of time, I'm going to let you pick which team I give you next. Anybody that you're interested in, who, what's their biggest move this offseason? Um, how about the – let's do the Raiders. Just because, the Las Vegas Raiders yeah. and what they're going to look like next year. Okay, According to these guys from the score, their biggest move – oh, they're still fouled under Oakland here. Give me a second. Um, maybe they're not. Where are these Raiders? <laughs> Maybe they're just not on. Maybe they can't. They can't do anything. Do I don't think they can. Doesn't okay. look like they're what on about, here. Let's do. Uh, let's do. Um, shoot. Let's do. I'm trying to think of like a, a decently bad team. What What did they have about Cincy? What did they say? Cincy draft Joe Burrow. Basically, <laughs> draft Joe Burrow. Um, what about the? the oh, pa- I know why. Patriots. Okay, here we go. Here, let's. Uh, uh, for Cincinnati, it says. Don't overthink the number one pick. So draft Joe Burrow. Jo- yeah, exactly. Draft Joe Burrow. What about the Patriots? I'm interested to see what they For the Patriots, their biggest move, according to these guys, to get back to the Super Bowl is re-sign Tom Brady. Huh. Hmm. That makes sense. I mean, who else could you possibly get to get him to that point? Obviously, with Tom Brady, you at least have a shot. So oh, and by the way, sense. you asked about the Raiders. There's a sign Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> Well, there you go. I mean, I can see that, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against Tom Brady going to Las Vegas. I think that would be a, a nice match. They got a lot of pieces there right now. Um, obviously, they've had a lot of good draft picks, a lot of draft picks, and and I think they've hit on a lot of those. So, um, I think it's just a matter of time before the Raiders are are in uh, contention. This is a fascinating list of these possible scenarios. I wish we had more time to get into it. Like the Chargers trade up for Tua. Uh, the Jets fire Adam Gase and hire Eric Bieniemy. The Steelers get Ben Roethlisberger to re- renegotiate for a cheaper contract. It's it's fascinating. I'd love to go into that more, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Appreciate you being here, my man. As always, what do we need to know about at Local Three coming up? Um, p- please. I mean, if you have time on Wednesday nights, tune into the Sports Zone. We're just now getting it rolling again for season three, and um, we've got a lot of positive feedback. And you know. What makes the show so special is we allow you know our viewers to take part in it, um, and we're always looking for you know if you go to a game and you have see a player have a, a really good night, please send us what you know their stats. We want to give them shine for for different segments. If you catch a, a nice play on video, um, please send it in to us, and we'll we'll make sure it gets on air. We want it to be like a really um, 
you know, the biggest hub that you can find for high school basketball right now. And it's only going to get better if, it, if we have our viewers contribute. And unfortunately, we don't have the manpower at Local 3 to, to get to every game. So it definitely helps us. And we want to give every team some sort of shine throughout the season. So definitely tune in uh, Wednesday nights at 730 Eastern for the High School Sports Zone. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you with that. Let's call it a day. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN-UPWZM, Ishpeming Marquette.